Welcome to the Grace Podcast, a production of Grace Ministries in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us, and we pray that you are blessed and inspired. For more information about Grace, be sure to check out gmrh.org. Now let's listen in to this week's message. Stronger, getting stronger. I hope you have been following the, the things that we've given you to do of 10, 10, 10. Ten minutes, at least 10 minutes of prayer, 10 minutes of the Word, 10 minutes of journaling or testimony to someone of what God is doing. That's how we begin conditioning ourselves. And for some, you say that's not that much, but you figure 7 times 30 a day, that's 210 minutes in a week. So some of us, when we look at it, we say, you know, we look at the end result, we look at it like sometimes 30 minutes, what am I going to do for 30 minutes? You ever done that? How long, can I pray for 10 minutes? You ever thought, you ever timed yourself in praying, you start praying, and then within 45 seconds your mind starts wandering, right? So it's a conditioning. You train yourself. Same thing with reading God's Word. Uh, We say, well, if I was sitting here reading, I could go help somebody. The only thing we're going to go do is help ourselves in the refrigerator. Right? So in that... As you begin doing that and you start 10, 10, 10, what happens is that begins building. And then this month, that's what you did. And then next month, if you increased it by a minute, it's amazing what would take place. And before you realize it, you're spending 35, 45 minutes in praying before the Lord. And you're, you're turning around and you're reading that word and things that are happening in your life that you never anticipated before. Okay? Why? Because we are giving ourselves to that part of ministry, that part of relationship as we build it. And, and let's face it, if it's important to us, we find the time. Because a lot of times if we say, oh, I just don't have time to spend 30 minutes a day. But if that's really important to me, I have the time, right? Uh, yesterday, um, you know, I don't have time just to go do stuff, I don't think. But I had the opportunity to go and um, have fun with my two sons yesterday. And I had an absolute blast. I mean, I literally, in that truest sense of the form, I had a blast. But as a result of it, you know, I had so many things I needed to do or wanted to do. And if they would have said, let's go do this, I would have said, nah, if we planned it. I probably would have said, no, I just got too much going on. But... It, they made it happen quick, and so I went. You know, it's something I enjoyed. I found the time. So if I'm not here next Sunday morning, that's what I'm doing. No, I'm teasing. But, you know, that you, if it's something you enjoy, you have the time to do it. That's why it's important when we read the Scripture, and it says, Thy word was found, and I ate them. And they became for me a joy. See, we look at God's Word many times and we think of it as things we can't do, things we shouldn't do, and these are all the rules and commands where God is telling us how bad we are. That's the bill of goods we've been sold through the years, and that's what we've heard, and that's how we treat God's Word. But I want you to understand that He is. there's more in here for us than it's what telling us we've done wrong. There's more in here to tell us about who He is and how we can know Him greater than we could ever imagine or think. 
And so trust this word. Get into it. And I recommend it two ways before I get into the message. I recommend it two ways. Number one, find a translation that you feel comfortable with. And then I recommend comparing that to the King James and to the Amplified. Read it so you can understand the story, the outline, what he's trying to say there, and then read it with the other translations so you can find the meat of it all. And when you do that, it will help you to understand and know what he's talking about. And there are sometimes when I say stuff to myself, nothing really kicks like the King James. You know? I mean, when you read it and those words are strong and powerful, but sometimes when I'm reading the King James, I have trouble understanding what it's saying because I don't speak in King James. Okay? But whenever I understand it fully with other translations, and then when I bring that together, it really has a broader meaning for me. So I want to encourage you to do that. Today I want to talk about you are never out of the fight. We need to get stronger, but we're never out of the fight in two ways. We're never out of the fight. No matter how far we feel we are down, God always has a way to pick us back up. Okay? Understand that, right? You, you understand that process. And then the other part about never being out of the fight, we know that our enemy is always looking to destroy and defeat us. So we know we never, we can't ever let our guard down in Christ. But we also have to know that if I have fallen to the greatest depths, God always has a way to lift me out. Praise God. Isn't that good? So there's a couple things. There's, and I didn't put these on the screens. It's me today. So, but I wanted you to write these down. We know that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We talked about that last week. Number one. Number two, it's a key to know our enemy. Who is our enemy? You are not my enemy. The church is not my enemy. My workers are not my enemy. We're dealing with two main enemies. The devil, Satan, and us. Right? Number three, sometimes it's Satan, but sometimes it's our own sin nature that gets in the way. Number four, when you, you feel like you've been knocked down, you have a choice. Get back up. When you've been knocked down, get back up. Satan uses temptation, distraction, and comfort to keep us down. Number six, temptation isn't sin. It's what we do after we are tempted that matters. Father, we ask that you speak to us in a way we can understand and know that it's you in clarity so that we can walk this walk in power and in might in your word and your truth and through the Holy Spirit. Help us today, Lord God, I pray. Amen. So if you look to the screen, we have a verse up there for you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity 
every thought to the obedience of Christ. Those verses go on to say in that particular chapter, it, it tells us that when we bring everything into captivity to the, our thought process unto the, to the things of God, that the very areas of disobedience that we walked in, He will help us to avenge them. Whew. Glory to God. I'm telling you what, for the competitive person in the room, if I've gone somewhere and lost and been defeated by a team or an event or a thing, when I can go back to that place and win, there's nothing greater than that victory. So when you and I have been held captive by the bondages of this world, and let's identify a few, pornography, for sex outside of marriage, for alcohol, for drugs, and on and on and on, the lying and the stealing and the cheating, all these things that we've had trouble with in our life that we and ourselves deal with in our mind and in our spirit. The Bible says that the very thing that held me captive when I come unto the obedience of Christ, whew, I can step into that area again and it no longer has a hold on me. And not only does it not have a hold, but I can walk in victory and in strength and in power in that place. Yes. Glory to God. Mm. I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God today. And sometimes... I just can't contain myself. And today is one of those days. If I look like I'm just jumping all over, I am. Because there's something moving in here today. I want you to know that. And that something is the power of God. So what are some of the things in our life that look good on the outside but ultimately lead to destruction? That's a question for you and me. What are things in our life that looks good on the outside but ultimately lead to destruction. You don't have to jump up and tell me that. But a couple examples could be in front of the computer when no one's around. It could also be a quite hidden conversation with someone at work. What kind of self-talk happens when you are tempted? What do you tell yourself and what are your actions? So when you're faced with this temptation, when I'm faced with this temptation, what do I say to myself? How do I identify the temptation and what do I say to myself to get out of it or to accept it? How do I justify it or how do I get rid of it? See, a lot of times in church we speak in spiritual terms and we expect everybody to get it and just hope when they walk out of the room that they've understood what they're supposed to do. We just need to know what, we need supposed, what we're supposed to do. When temptation comes, how do we handle it? What do I do? And today I want to identify some of those, talk about some of those, talk about our enemy, and then turn right around and give us the Word of God to show us how to overcome him in those things. Amen? Amen? I am never out of fight. No matter how much the devil thinks he knows about me or has on me or any of that, I'm telling you, he is not my God. And the same Lord that told us to forgive one another seven times seventy in a day 
It's not an excuse for us to sin, but I can tell you that His forgiveness is far greater than that towards us. Amen? First Peter. So how do we resist the devil to start with? First Peter 5.8 tells us, Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom someone to devour. So we got to be sober-minded. we got to be watchful. Those are the two beginning things. And later on, we're going to learn what happens when we resist. So no matter where we are, what we're, what's going on, we are never out of the fight. We have an enemy that is always trying to destroy us. We have to understand that. You ever had a good day, and you feel like you prayed, you did your 10, 10, 10, and you're going through life really good, and... You know, Lord, answer this prayer, and then you prayed over here, and God did this over here. Then out of the blue, out of nowhere, that car cuts you off, and that rage says, up inside. Anybody else? Huh? Come on. And you start speaking things to that person that would not exalt the Lord. That's just real, isn't it? So, but that's what we do, right? And then we justify ourselves by saying that that's what they are. We've given in to that element of our life that we should not give it into. All of a sudden, we think we're on top of the world, and the slightest little thing, a picture, an image, will come across in front of us that we were not expecting. We go somewhere and someone dresses in a way that we were not expecting. We go somewhere and someone speaks something to us in a way that we were not expecting. All of a sudden, life happens around us in a way we were not expecting. A phone call comes that changes our world and that we were not expecting. We think we're on top of the world and instantly something changes. We know what he's doing. We know what's happening, but sometimes, even in the midst of all of that, we stumble and we have trouble and we say, Why did I do this again? Number one, you need to understand that you're always in enemy territory. This is not our final destination. Even though our Lord has overcome the world, And even though He has made us here to live, He tells us in the Scripture that even though we're in the world, we're not of this world. So in the place we are residing in now is not our eternal home. We are visitors, our people in a foreign land is where we are. That was created by God and distorted and given over to Satan by man. And so the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. We must know that we are in enemy territory. How many of you ever been in a foreign country? It's different in a foreign country than it is here. Everything about it is different. I mean, anything you can imagine is different. You go in, you see cars, but they drive on different sides of the road. Yeah, and there's all kinds of things going on. How they go to the bathrooms, places is different. 
what they consider great for water or not water is different. Their food is different. Everything about that is, is, is totally different than what you're accustomed to. Some places are absolutely beautiful and people are amazing. But where they live and how they live is totally foreign to us. And when you've been in another country, you are mindful of your actions because you don't know how that police or that officer is going to respond to how you are and what you decide. What is good for here may not be good for there. So you have to be mindful of those things. To give you an example, years and years and years ago, I was in the Bahamas on a missions trip, and, uh, and it was a true missions trip. I wasn't just saying that. And um, I had, I've told some of you the story before, I backed up a bus and ran in, backed into a car in a compound, and I had to get it out. And that's the first time in, in my life like that that I broke down and just cried because I thought I was going to jail. And so the missionary said, you have 48 hours to report this accident. So the next day, I go to the police station and report the accident. And by the way, that car had been in compound for three to six months. The owner had not come to pick it up. The moment I hit it, 15 minutes later, he shows up. 65% duty on the card, whether by Kelly Blue Book, not by what they paid for it. All that stuff is going through my head. And I was speaking that night. I was like, Lord, <laughs> it's not a good day. So I go to the police station the next day, and I'm, I'm walking in, a normal American, think we own the world. So I walk in, and this guy, this police officer, it's got to be 6'3", six, 6'4". And his body is a V. His shoulders are out right here. He comes in like this right here. And he is 99% muscle. There was nothing on that. I mean, he just, his uniform, his arms bulged through it. So one of the most intimidating people I've ever seen in my life. So I'm walking in, typical American, you know. And he said, he said can I help you? I said, yes. He said, I need to report an accident. When did it take place? Uh, yesterday, about 3.15. And he looked at me. And I said, I have 48 hours to report it on. He said, no, you have 24. And I looked at the clock. It was 3.10. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know what that guy was going to do. And I want you to know I've never been back to Freeport since. No, <laughs> but I didn't have a clue what he was going to do. And he, all of a sudden, his voice changed. Everything about his tone, his mannerism changed. He was very defensive, and I became extremely afraid. But all was good. It all worked out, and everything was taken care of. So you can know that it was a happy ending there. But our enemy, we're in his territory, in his place. And we're living this life doing our best to rescue as many people as possible. So we have to be aware who our enemy is. We have to be aware of the life around us. As Americans, we are spoiled 100% because we live differently than most people in the world. So then we got to break it down to not only the enemy and what the devil does, 
then we got to break it down to us. So what's your personal warfare? Not only can the enemy attack us at any moment, but he has also studied us for years and knows the areas where we are most vulnerable and susceptible. We've told him. Over and over again, we've told the devil what all of our weaknesses are. If I wander on the computer, then I've told him where it is, and I've even lived, left an IP address to where I did it from. He can, you can actually find out what, I did, what computer it was on and what location it was on, even on your phone. They can identify that it was this phone that did that act. The enemy can identify who you are and who I am and what I am doing based on my actions and my words, thoughts, not my thoughts, my words and my deeds. Because he doesn't know your thoughts and intents of the heart. Only God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. So I tell him my weaknesses by the actions and by the choices I make in life. And he uses this intel to craft the most compelling temptations for each person. You say, what do you mean? How many of you ever looked something up online and then next thing you know, you're getting all these emails and these pop-ups from all the things that are very similar to that? It's no different than the, than the enemy. He literally takes the stuff that we do in life and the choices we've made and he throws them out like a smorgasbord in front of us and then all of a sudden hoping that we'll trip or stumble on one of them. It's always in front of us. We know that. Just think about when Jesus was tempted by Satan. He tried to get him to perform a miracle to prove that you're the Son of God. He also tried to, to get him to fulfill Old Testament prophecy and overcome death. He said, if you jump off here and something happens to you, God will raise you up. And he also tried to tempt him with reigning with power over all the nations. Satan will always offer you shortcuts to the things you want most in the world, but taking them will always destroy the things you love and value the most. Do I need to say that again? Satan will always offer you shortcuts to the things you want most in the world, but taking them will always destroy things you love and value the most. In athletics, if you say, well, we don't have to practice this week, we'll be all right. And then another week you don't have to practice. Next thing you know, you're not ready for the competition. If we're not in our word, we're not praying, and all of a sudden life comes, we're not ready. We're not strong enough in this walk. So we got to know who we're against. And the Bible gives us things on how to, to fight our enemy. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. His only power over you and I is the power that we give Him. When we allow Him to control us and control how we live and how we walk and, and literally put things in front of us to walk in fear, and some of you are bound by fear. 
You're afraid to do anything. You're even afraid to, to serve God because you're afraid something's going to go wrong. He has literally engulfed your life and your world with fear and you are held captive by fear every day. God is not the author of fear and confusion. That fear did not come from Him. So we have to recognize that. So when that happens, you and I need to stand up, stand tall, and stand firm and saying, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Jesus used the word to combat the enemy, and you and I need to use the word to combat the enemy. Amen? We know that the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. So we know that. But we also have to know that word ourself. And we have to know the voice of our father ourself. So that when he speaks and he leads in God's, we know how to, to do what's right. I've told this story over the years. I have 21 years of pastoring in a place. You're going to hear all my stories. <laughs> Not long after Cheryl and I got married. A uh, man in church was a phenomenal man. Uh, he was picking on Cheryl. We, we'd just been married, I guess, six, eight months. And I was working third, and Cheryl worked first. And, and, uh, and he, he said to her, he said, I saw Tim the other day. He was at such and such store, and he was doing this. And she said, uh, I don't want to bust your bubble. But no, he wasn't. I know my husband, and I know where he is, and I know what he does and how he does it. He would not do that. And he said, oh. When the enemy comes in and disguises himself and says, this is what God is telling you to do. This is what the church is saying. This is what this is saying. You can say, wait a minute. I know the voice of my Heavenly Father. I have a relationship with him. I know his word, and that's not what he's saying to me. But that only comes when we get stronger in him. He distorts. He's never had original thought in his life. His only ability is taking the good things that God creates and distorting them into perversions. He's a master of lies, and he knows the most effective lies have a bit of truth in them. So how do we overcome? So, Pastor, you've identified him and done well. How do we overcome him? Isn't that what we want to know? That's what I want to know. Conditioning our inner man is the key to overcoming We must train ourselves in prayer, word, and testimony. We must train ourselves, literally, for the fight. John, 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are, you are from God and have overcome them. So where are we from when we're born again? We're from God. We're His children. We've been born again. Even though we're in the, the flesh that our parents gave us, in the spirit, 
We are children of the living God. We need to identify that to ourselves and say, yes, that's who I honor in my parents. Yes, that's who I honor in this life. But I am a child of God, and that is my lineage greater than what my flesh's lineage is. We need to identify that to ourselves and get bold enough to speak to ourselves. Sometimes we're afraid to talk to ourselves. We think we're crazy if we talk to ourselves. When you talk to yourself, you talk to a better class of people. You need to speak to Tim. You, I need to say something to Tim some days. I need to tell him what I'm thinking. And say, Tim, you're not going to think that way anymore. You're not going to speak that way anymore. You're not going to live that way anymore. That's who you were. That's not who you are. Sometimes I need to say that to me. For he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. And that's a verse we all know. We say it a lot, but... Sometimes we need to tell ourselves that, don't we? I don't have to submit to that. I don't have to yield to that. So what are the tactics for overcoming? I like the thought of when you condition, how do I form the thing to get over? Ignoring temptation does not make it go away. You know, you can't go there when you tempt and say, la, 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 and make it go away. It won't happen. Right? We need to address it immediately. You need to speak to it immediately. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. What's going on with you is no different than what's going on with somebody else. God is what? Faithful. And He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Whose ability? Yours. Within you is the means to look at that temptation and say, no. And does God empower us? Does God live in us? Does He speak to us to say to it? Yes. But you and I have the ability to say yes or no to what is before us. It is 100% our choice. So we either have to yield to the Spirit of God or we yield to our flesh. Just that simple. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, to get through it. I read a story on Navy SEALs most elite fighting group they say on the planet. And one of them said, as long as I can move my eyes, there's a way out. I'm not dead. I'm not defeated. As long as I can still look and see or hear, then I can respond and I am not totally out of the fight. As long as we have a breath, as long as we have the knowledge of the love of God that has changed us from inside out, we are never out of the fight. 
Though we may seem like we've been encamped around us and everything around life is attacking us and feel like our world is falling apart, I'm here to tell you, as long as there's a next breath, there's hope in God. And you and I can look to Him and look to Him and look to Him and He will set us free. He will deliver us and He will make a way when there is no way in ourselves. Amen? So, how do we get out of it? There are ways out. How do you get out? You've got to train your natural response when you're tempted to look away, look for a way out, and quickly take it. Number one, I give you a lot of these today, that's all right, is call out. When you feel like you're tempted and you feel like you're at the end of it, and what am I supposed to do? The number one thing you do is call out. Pray out loud for strength or call a friend to identify with you in prayer right there at that moment. Craziest thing happened when I was a youth pastor in Malden. Had a youth group at the house, and when I was up, the place we had was uh, uh, upstairs, and I was upstairs with it, and and uh, I think Jonathan was just born, and I went upstairs to check on something up there for him, and one of the young men from the youth group came upstairs, and and it was, everything was over, and he was running up to tell me something before he left. And he ran upstairs and said, I need you to pray for me. I said, okay. He said, I have a problem with lust, and I need you to pray with me about it so I won't have a problem anymore. And he runs out the door. And I had never had that happen before in my life. But I thought, how honest was that? How many of us would walk up to somebody and say that? But most likely, he's one of the only ones that ever get free from it. Because he identified and he called out and said, I know I have this problem. I need you to help me pray with it about it. If you are having a temptation, you don't know what to do, pray out loud. Say, God, I need your help. Don't just think it, speak it. Number two, speak out. You call out, then you speak out. Read your Bible out loud to yourself. Read it loud enough for you to hear it. Read your Bible out loud to yourself. Number three, get out. Physically leave things that are temptations to you. If you have difficulty with, a, with alcohol, don't go to a bar. Don't go to your buddy's house that's always drinking. Is that right? If I have a problem with weed, I don't need to go where I get it. Don't need to allow it in my house. Right? If I have a problem with a relationship with a person and we're always lying and deceiving, I need to get away from them. Just that simple. It's not hard. It's not what we want. We get so comfortable in where we are that we think that that's the way life is supposed to be. Get out of that. Leave the things that are tempting you. If you have a problem at work with a relationship with somebody you shouldn't have, change jobs. That's not your life. That's just where God has planted you. Come on, let's talk about that. 
cut out, the number, this number four is cut out. Remove access to things that are temptations. If you have trouble with the internet, stop it in your house. Get rid of the devices. Just that simple. Don't go to the places. Cut out those areas of your life. You say, am I supposed to do that forever? Until greater is he that's in you than it's what's happening in your hands and your eyes. Yeah. Amen. Because I'm telling you, if you're on the battlefield in life, literally, and you're serving with a Navy SEAL, and you're out there, and you say, well, this is the way I do it at home. This is really comfortable me. He's not going to accept that when you're in battle. Is he? He's saying, you're not going to cost me my life because you want to be comfortable, because you're tired, because you're hurting, because life is hard. Because life is hard for all of us. Every one of us have gone through things. It's not what you have gone through that defines you. It's who's greater in you that defines you. Amen? Make an action plan. Before you're tempted or distracted, and then stick to it when it happens. What do you mean? I used to teach CDL driving. And what I would tell people is, when I'm training you, most likely I'm not going to train you in bad weather. Because if it's snow on the roads, the district's closed. So we couldn't take you out in the bus with snow on the road. If it's a heavy, heavy storm... Most likely it doesn't happen when I'm training because I'm not going to get out in the rain to train you. But what I would tell them is, look, when this happens, this is what you do when this happens. So the training says if it's bad, water all in the road, you slow down. Don't hit your brakes a lot, but slow way down so you can just go through that area. So I would say rehearse that in your mind. Know what you're going to do, what you should do before you're supposed to do. If this happens, this is what I'm going to do. Have a plan. In temptations and things in life, when we have difficulty with stuff, make a plan of escape. Make a plan of how to get out of that. Have a buddy, your prayer partner, someone that you have confidence with, and say, look, when I am tempted... And I get into certain situations, can I call you? You say, yes. You don't have to say, I'm calling you because I have this problem. I'm just calling you because I need somebody to talk to. Does that make sense? Make a play. Make a way out. And if I fall into temptation, and I'm sad to say all of us will. It may be small. It may be large. David, the greatest king of Israel... Man, that man had all kinds of issues. But the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. And we quote him often. It doesn't mean we have an excuse to sin, but when we do sin, we need to know where we can go when we do. We need to be able to come back to our Heavenly Father and not go away from Him. It's sad to say that most people, when they fall into temptation and to sin, they leave the place that can help the most. They leave the church. Because we feel we're going to be judged or looked down upon. I'm telling you, there's nobody in this room that hasn't stumbled and fallen in some way or another since believing. Either with our, with our mouth, with our 
even in our deep thoughts or our, all these things, all of us have had trouble. We all should say amen to that one or oh me to that one. When you fall into temptation or distraction, Satan is going to try to keep you down with guilt. Instead, let the process of repentance and forgiveness push you closer to God rather than further away. The enemy may knock you down, but it's your choice to stay down. Get up. Jonathan, if you'll come. Always remember, we've started this 10, 10, 10 thing to help us. It's simple. It's a process of getting stronger. But if we don't begin somewhere, then we're going to continue to flounder everywhere. Everybody understand that? There's a choice. I remember with the bully at school, you draw the line in the sand, you step over this, I'm going to hit you in the nose. Anybody ever done that? That bully stepped over that. And I hit him in the nose. I had to go to the office. But he didn't step across my line anymore. Time for you and I to draw a line in the sand in our relationship and what we allow Satan to do or not to do in our life. All his influences in our life. Draw a line in the sand and say, you no longer have space here. In John 14, I think around verse 20, Jesus is speaking. And this is one of the verses that just leaps into my heart over and over again. He said, when he comes, and he was referring to Satan. When he comes, he hath nothing in me. As a born-again child, the Spirit of God is living inside of you. When the enemy comes, there is no space for him. It's full. You do not have to give him place because of what happened in your past or what others have said about you, what others have done to you. And what you've done to yourself, you do not have to give Him place. Because once He resides in you, He is there. The living God is there. And you and I need to allow Him to have preeminence in our life. And allow Him flow through every part of our being. Not confine Him to one spot in our mind. Say, this is only where God lives. No, when God comes in, He has every bit of me. From my toes to my top of my head to my fingers, every part of my body belongs to Him. And I am His. So when the enemy comes, I do not have to yield to Him. And you look at yourself in that mirror and say, no more. No more would I bow to you, Satan. No more would I bow to you, flesh. I will only bow to, to the living God who is greater than us all and he now lives inside here. When we identify that, how much stronger can we be? So Ephesians 6, 14 through 18 tells us what we're supposed to do. But we need to know the weapons that God has given us. You need to know what that weapon would do. I practiced with a handgun yesterday. It doesn't do what a rifle does. Not in my hands, anyway. 
I practice with something else. It does different than a handgun. I need to know what my weapons will do. I need to understand them. I need to know how to take them apart, put them back together, load them, how to care for them, how to hold them, how to, to take them with me if I take them. I need to know all of that. You and I need to know the weapons that God has given us. We need to be aware of every weapon He has given us, that protection He has given us. So we need to stand firm with the belt of truth, buckled around our waist, with the breastplate in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kindness of prayers and requests. When we began doing that, and I know what that breastplate is for, and I know what that gospel of truth is for. I know how why my feet are protected. I know why I have a shield and I have a sword. When I am ready for that and I am prepared with that for the day when the enemy comes, Tim Bowen is not greater than that enemy, but God has equipped Tim Bowen so that when the enemy comes, he doesn't have to yield to him anymore. And when I stand tall and firm, I am standing in His protection, God's protection. I am standing in His righteousness, not in my own. And I am standing in His truth and not mine. And when that happens, when He comes in, the Bible says, when it comes in like a flood, He will lift up a standard. Hallelujah. That standard is not only a way of life and a lifestyle, but it is a protection wall so that when the enemy comes, He cannot do what He comes to do. Amen. Stand to your feet.